0: The following sermon was delivered by Executive Pastor Rev. Dr. Jonah So in the sanctuary of 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on livestream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here is Rev. Dr. Jonah So. Early in the spring, we surveyed the congregation and wanted to know what words in the bible most inspire you comfort you guide you what bible passage holds that special place in your heart there were like so many good verses many of the submitted passages were dear to our own hearts it was common to hear "Ooh, this is a good one and a moment later someone would say and this one and yet again oh yeah, this. A good number of them included a brief explanation as to why the passage was meaningful. I went through the list of verses and reasons, concluding each reading with an affirming, amen. They were like mini sermonettes that uplifted my heart. Werner and I joked that it seemed like, yeah, this is kind of hard because it's like, what more can we add to that? When it was time to select our passages, for me, the recurring theme in my devotional quiet times had been about relationships. The thought that ran through my mind was, relationships are hard. They require lots of maintenance. It takes time and energy to deepen them. They are at once meaningful and generative yet can be frustrating and inconvenient. In workshopping the sermon title, Ashley pointed out that users of Facebook can choose from a list to publicly display their relationship status. And one of the options is, it's complicated. (laughs) And it seemed like a fitting answer to the question, How's your relationship with God? So, how is your relationship with God? You have one or you don't. For those who do have one, some might say, it's good. And others might say, it's bad or it's not as good as it could be. And you can leave it at that Or you can dig deeper and ask them to qualify that answer. Why do you say that it's good? Why do you say that it's not so good? Exploring that question will open you up to comparing your relationship with God with someone else's relationship with the same God. And this exposes you to the possibility that you will judge them or you will be judged by them. Yuck. Since the talk of our relationship with God can go all over the place in so many different ways, to help us anchor us today, let's listen in on the Word of God as it echoes to us from the letter of James, chapter 4, starting with the fourth verse. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That was the favorite verse submission. And what a beautiful and comforting verse! it is draw near to god and he will draw near to you not only is it beautiful and comforting it is stirring and exciting think about the many scenes with two people interacting laughing and having conversation <laughs> And you watch that and you're finding that they are connecting and something's happening. There's a chemistry there and then there's a moment. They, they might trip or something and, oh, and, oh. and then they lock eyes and then they're transfixed and mesmerized. And one person moves their head closer to the other and the other responds in kind. They draw closer. And the scene will end with a successful kiss or it will get broken up by a third party, right? In that moment. Ooh. (laughs) So we had no kids here leaving. So they're here somewhere if they are. (laughs) So, you know, even if you don't know that scene, or if you do, Even if you don't know that scene, my kids have been conditioned to cover their eyes when that moment comes, right? (laughs) I mean, like you were watching TV and it's coming and they go, like they know instinctively, right? So even if you don't know, you kind of know. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. It's as if we're told that if we make a move at God, God will not reject us. For anyone who has ever experienced the nerve-wracking, sweaty, palm-inducing pressure of making the first move in a relationship where you then are completely at risk of an embarrassing and horrifying rejection, what an insane amount of comfort to be received from knowing that if you draw near to God, God will undoubtedly draw near to you. We will unpack this wonderful verse more. However, before we do, we need to first examine our relationship with God. Today's scripture passage opens with the unpleasant epithet, adulterers. That's why I kind of giggled. I tried to hold it, but it was like, it's like, whoa, awakening. Adulterers. And James qualifies this though by saying, one, claiming that friendship with the world is the same as cheating on God, and two, stating that God is a jealous God. Scholars generally agree that the James writing this letter is Jesus's brother. Not the disciple James, the brother of John, who had most likely been martyred by the time of the letter. And so James, the brother of Jesus, was an important leader, was hefty, his words, in the early church. For James, the world that he's speaking of, the one that makes you an enemy of God, is not the whole of creation that God created and called good. Rather, for James, the world stands in contrast to God. While Jesus teaches love, unity, peace, and forgiveness, the world embraces envy, rivalry, violence, and murder. And James makes clear that as believers, we cannot simultaneously embrace the ways of God and the ways of the world. For James, it is one or the other. And James describes God as a jealous God. This should not necessarily surprise us since this is a descriptive that God uses on God's self. In Exodus 20, God proclaims, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God says it. I mean, it's almost natural that God would jealously demand our worship, forbidding us to worship anyone else. When James calls the reader adulterers, the word in Greek is feminine. I make this point because Faye Mae Perkins, in her commentary in the interpretation series, observes... James takes on the tone of the prophets who condemned Israel for its infidelity to God. The image of Israel is that of a bride and God as the husband. So this puts into more relatable perspective that the jealous God is like a jealous lover. Now, I guess we could debate this, but we're not going to because I'm standing here. (laughs) I think we've debated. Jealousy isn't generally a positive thing. But when it comes to love, it's almost a necessity. The absence of jealousy almost implies a lack of desire for the beloved. Weird, right? I mean, the lover so cherishes the attention and affection of their significant other that the jealousy is almost an indicator of how special it is. Again, debatable, I guess. But that's what I'm building it on. So, how's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? Your jealous lover. Have you ever been in love? Do you have stories of the crazy things you did in its name? I'll let it sink in awkwardly a little. <laughs> when I think about some of the things I did in trying to woo Jennifer, it makes me genuinely marvel at the almost hypnotic power of love. If you were to ask me now whether I would do some of those things again, Of course I would answer, yes. (laughs) While thinking, not a chance. (laughs) I don't know what you consider crazy, but Jesus leaving glory, honor, and power in heaven behind, and traveling to earth to trade that for shame, pain, and death for love's sake is for me in the category of crazy. Do you feel or think of God's passionate pursuit of you daily? Do you in turn pursue God? Is James right about us? Are we adulterers? A couple of weeks ago, Scott preached a message called Friends of God. As uncomfortably or comfortably you feel in calling Jesus your friend, your buddy, Jesus calls us friend. He journeyed on a road trip with his disciples for three years. He spent time with them and, got to know, and they got to know each other. And he was present with them constantly. He is a loyal friend who says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you have a friend of whom you are fond but feel you could or should connect with more? Do you have friends with whom you have lost touch? For an early elementary school graduation present, our family went to watch Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I kept anticipating the moment that they break into song and dance. Alas, it took me an embarrassingly long time into the show to figure out that it was not a musical. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) For me, however, it was a timely show. I felt Harry's frustration in parenting but also the love for his child. I was reminded of the struggles that young people go through, the same things I had gone through but have since long forgotten. And to see the famous, the, to see the fame and the power, the status of the boy who lived was not enough to get his own child to listen and obey him. Ugh, that's not gonna work. And when the child did try to obey, Harry often had to deal with a failure. Jesus related to God as Abba Father and taught us to relate with God by praying our Father in heaven. So, what's your relationship status with God? It's complicated, seems to work. Yes, God is our lover who pursues us, but God is more than that. God is also a friend who is present. And God is a parent who provides. Relating to God is a complicated thing. God wears many hats because God has many roles. No one human relation captures God. But for humans, for us, it's weird to relate to God as all of these things at once, as lover, friend, and parent. However, each of these ways of relating to God are valid. And in this way, human relationships are sacramental. In other words, our human relationships help us understand and experience the otherwise unfathomable an unknowable god so i ask again how is your relationship with god whatever your answer may be remember the verse draw near to god and he will draw near to you because it will help improve the relationship. But since the concept is tricky, let me explain. The phrase, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, seemingly puts the onus on us. It makes it seem like the contrapositive statement will be true. It would say, if you do not draw near to God, then God will not draw near to you. But that statement is untrue, and I'll share why. The cover of the bulletin is Giovanni Tiepolo's Christ and the Woman Taken in Adultery. It is a depiction of the eighth chapter in the Gospel of John. You see, in an attempt to trap him, The religious leaders brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus and asked him what they should do with her when the law of Moses commands them to stone her. When they do ask him, Jesus writes on the ground as the artwork captures. When they keep pressing him for an answer, Jesus quips, Let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he went back to writing on the ground they all eventually dispersed, leaving only the woman and Jesus. Jesus asked her, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. And Jesus responded, neither do I condemn you. What if James was right in calling us adulterers? What would happen if we were brought to Jesus and asked whether we should be stoned? I imagine the response would be the same. This Jesus, whose crazy love for us moved him to leave heaven, to come to earth. This Jesus, the only one who could condemn us, but does not condemn us. When James tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to you, I would argue that it is more accurate to say that we can draw near to God because God has already drawn close to us. He has made it easy for us. When my children were younger, Jennifer and I would celebrate everything they did and I know that for our friends who didn't have children, they like roll their eyes like, oh gosh. You know, we'd be like, you did it! And we'd have to go pay, throw a party or something for that. You did it! And this was a phrase we screamed regularly. But did they really do it? No. We did all the work. We placed the kids like at the finish line and allowed them to cross and said, yeah, you did it. We set them up for success. I wonder if the God who is fiercely in love with us, who is our loyal friend and our protective parent, might do the same for us as God's beloved, as God's friend, and as God's child. As, Sarah, as Pastor Sarah beautifully puts it, thank God for a love like that. Friends, go forth in hope, faith, and love. Go forth to seek Christ's face, for those who seek him shall surely find. Go forth to love and serve the Lord by loving and serving one another. May God bless you and keep you. May God be kind and gracious to you May God look upon you with favor and bring us all peace. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.